Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Anyone who knows the story of the crucifixion of Christ will probably be familiar with the Roman governor at the time. His name was Pontius Pilate. The Jews in their hatred of Christ were determined to have him put to death. But they were under the rule of Rome during that time in their history, and they had to bring him to stand on trial in Pilate's court. What an amazing scene we have here. A volatile mob of curious onlookers. An angry crowd of bitter religious antagonists and the authoritative power of imperial Rome, and one solitary man in the midst of it all. It was to be the most defining day in Pilate's life, the day that he had to make a choice for or against the Lord Jesus. It would determine his eternal destiny. Would he knowingly execute an innocent man, indeed a sinless one, to stay a friend of the world who hated him? What were the factors that would enter into this catastrophic choice? In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Marvin Dirksen takes a closer look at this tragic scene as he considers the Christ, the crowd, and the choice that defined the greatest day in history. Wonderful to be able to stand on that which is absolutely trustworthy and true and eternal. And of course, that involves the, the Word of God and it involves the work of Christ. He himself cried, it is finished. So there will never be another Calvary, another cross. There'll never be another Savior sent. There'll never be another sacrifice for sin. It's been all finished. And I can tell you tonight that God is satisfied. And as I look at this audience, there are many here and we are satisfied. We are resting on what was accomplished for us at the cross. We're glad you joined us. Our prayer is that you too will come to appreciate, to enjoy, to accept all that is found in the Lord Jesus. The Bible says, he that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son has not life. So our, really our world is divided and our meeting is divided. And we trust that tonight you will leave knowing the Lord Jesus as your Savior. I'm reading tonight of the Gospel of John, chapter 18. I'd just like to look at one individual tonight, the man called Pilate. And so I want to read just some of the scriptures that pertain to those pivotal hours when he faced the Lord Jesus. John chapter 18, and we'll look at verse number 28. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment, and it was early. They themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate, so this is where the Roman governor comes in. Pilate therefore went out unto them and said, what accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? 
And then there is dialogue between Pilate and the Lord Jesus. Notice verse number 38. Pilate said unto him, unto Christ, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Now, chapter 19, just across the page, verse number six, when the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and said unto Jesus, whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Verse number 12, and from thenceforth, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down on the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover. And about the sixth hour, and he said unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him, therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. Now just back for a single verse in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, and verse number 15. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Finally, Matthew chapter 27, that we have read a number of times already. We'll look at verse number 11. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Just down the chapter 2, verse number 19, when he was set down at the judgment seat, his wife said unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Now, we have read a great deal tonight, but to me, this account of Pilate is a very, very telling portion of the Bible, because in the brief hours that Pilate faced Christ, he was faced with the greatest crisis of his life. We're praying that these meetings will be crisis meetings, you say, what do you mean by that? By that, I simply mean that individuals will be made aware of the tremendous reality that concerns their eternal soul. 
I've already mentioned in these meetings that a hundred years from now, most of what concerns us tonight really will have no, no value and no significance. Where we work, what we eat, what kind of a house we live in, how much money is in our bank account, all of these things that seem to be so important in life are really meaningless in eternity. A hundred years from now, the only thing that will matter, the only thing that will matter will concern what you have done with this wondrous person of the Lord Jesus. It's the only thing. Not a matter of where you went on Sunday, what church you belonged to, that has nothing to do with it. How good a neighbor you were, nothing to do with it. How much money you gave to charitable purposes, nothing to do with it. The only thing that will matter concerns your response to God's ultimate offer. I trust, and I'll just take a moment to just try to give you a picture as to what a gospel meeting encompasses. We understand tonight as we open up this book that we have a tremendous need as sinners. We have all sinned. Every one of us, starting with the speaker. Our sin is known to God. Our sin is against God. Our sin has been recorded by God. And friend, we are accountable to God for answering for our sins. In fact, a verse that was read at a funeral today is a very pitiful verse. The wages of sin is death. And so we have a tremendous need that we are unable to meet ourselves. That is a foundational truth of every gospel meeting. I'm thankful to tell you that God has not left us in our helplessness and our hopelessness. That the grace of God has drawn alongside of us with an amazing provision. It's almost inconceivable that God would, would move toward guilty sinners that really have rebellious hearts. A verse that spoke to me, and I, oh, here it is right here. This was the verse that I was reading when, when some of these truths became very real. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And as I read those two opening statements of that verse, I was made aware that I was lost. But not just lost, I was willfully lost. We have turned everyone to his own way. And when a person makes a turn, it's a, a decisive act of their will. We have turned from God and from his word just to do our own thing, to live independent of God. And yet the grace of God has come alongside with a salvation that was so costly to him, it involved the cross and his son and the sufferings in the darkness and a price was paid. That's foundational truth number two, if I could put it in that way. And tonight, in view of all that God has provided and in view of all that God is offering, God is looking for a response from your hearts and from your soul. He's asking you to receive what he has provided. In fact, the Bible says, as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, even to them that believe in his name. And so tonight, God is offering and extending the great provision, the great salvation, which cost him everything. And he's offering it to you absolutely freely. We have read in past nights, concerning some of the responses of individuals. We've looked at Judas, as I suggested there, if you could just kind of bring his life down to simplest terms. This man, instead of wanting Christ, he said, I want something else. And he got it. We noticed there was another man, Felix, and he sat in a very small gospel meeting. Not like this one at all. Paul, his wife, Felix, no doubt some soldiers around, but it was a very personal meeting. 
And as he heard the gospel, and as truth began to dawn in upon him, he was unsettled. He began to tremble. And yet the response of that individual's heart, uh, the response of Felix was, Paul, thanks, but go your way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for you. And he did. But we never read of that man trembling again. It was a moment when the Spirit of God was working with him. And sad to say, he simply said, well, thanks, but I'll wait. My concern is that there's individuals, maybe in this meeting, but in many gospel series, they're convinced of the truth, but they say, I'll wait. I want to notice very simply now concerning this man that we have read of, Pilate. And as I have been reading Pilate's account today, I was impressed again that here was a man, and he was convinced that the prisoner before him had no flaw, had no blemish. He was convinced of his, could I say, his sinlessness? He was convinced that he should really release him, and he tried to do that. But when the bottom line came in his life, I think we could put it this way, I would, but, I would release this man, but, and as he looked around, it was the crowd, the crowd that won the day. We have read, first of all, about the man standing before Pilate, the Christ. We have read about the number of people standing around those two. That'd be the crowd. And we have read the awful choice, the awful choice that Pilate made that day. And as he took a basin of water and began to wash his hands, he made the declaration, I am innocent. I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. And the Jews before that governor said, his blood be on us and not upon our children. We'll take responsibility. But tonight, friend, Pilate is still, could I say, is still wringing his hands because he was not innocent of the choice that he had made. The Christ, the crowd, and the choice. When I think of Pilate's words as he came out to the people, and I want to notice that tonight, three times over he came out to that crowd and he said the same words. I find no fault in this man. I find no fault in this man. When I read those words, I'm made aware that this really is one of the greatest testimonies to the person of Christ. I find no fault in him. Really, the verdict should have been crystal clear. I mean, if a governor, a judge, can't find fault in a prisoner, then there, there, there should be no punishment. He should be released. Pronto. I find no fault in this man. The greatest testimony of one of the highest authorities in the land at that time. And tonight we want to tell you again about this matchless person. Because there's no one like him. We contrast him with many, but we can compare him with none. There's none his equal. And as we look at the Lord Jesus, we find that he is absolutely unique. I'm not sure all that Pilate knew. But as he examined him, one thing became clear. This man was different. I wonder, what do you honestly think about the Lord Jesus? I know this audience, for the most part, knows a great deal about him. But now, what does he personally mean to you? What is your evaluation of him? Because when I think of his character, when I think of his life, when I think of who he really was and who he really is, we're able to say he is altogether lovely. You know, as we look at his life, we can only bow with wonder. Because it's interesting that no word that he ever spoke had to be modified and had to be explained. We're doing that all the time. We have to say now, you know, I, I know this is what I said, but this is really what I meant. 
And I'm sorry that my tone was a little sharp. I didn't mean that. But the Lord Jesus never had to apologize for anything he said. There were no no times of exaggeration. There were no half-truths. He spoke the word, his words with truth and with grace. In fact, they came back and they said, never a man spake like this man. He never apologized for any, any of his actions because he walked with absolute righteousness. The Lord Jesus confessed no sin. In fact, could I tell my audience tonight that he could not sin? He could not sin. He's the impeccable Christ. He did no sin. He thought no sin. And John says, in him is no sin. Absolutely unique. Different. He never asked for pardon. He taught his disciples to pray, forgive us our debts, but he had no debts. He never sought advice from some of the learned men, the wise men of his day. Now, the Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And I well remember as a younger person going to some older believers and saying, uh, this is what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think I should do? I'm open for guidance. That's a good thing to do. You know, when we look at the matchless person of the Lord Jesus, he never did that. He never did that because he could say, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. He never asked for nor permitted prayer for himself. And as Pilate interviewed this person, and as he talked with him, and as he examined him, and as he sifted through the evidence, he came to one mighty conclusion. I find no fault in this man. Now, friend, what is your verdict? What do you think of him? Because if he really is who he claimed to be, and he is, he is the son of God. He is the mighty creator. He is the one who came into this world by way of a virgin womb. And Freddie he was verily God, yet he became truly human apart from sin. And anyone that understands his greatness and his sinlessness and the beauty of his person can only bow and say, my Lord and my God, and we worship him. Have you ever responded to him? Because Pilate's words that we have read of are really one of the greatest testimonies concerning his person, the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. But alongside of that testimony, there was the greatest travesty of justice. In fact, this man that really should have carried out justice threw justice out the window. In the hour of crisis, this man began to look around. In fact, there were voices, just as there are voices tonight ringing in your soul. And the voices in in that day said, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. And what they were saying is, Pilate, we'll make sure you lose your job. Pilate, we will make sure that this gets back to Caesar. In fact, you better do what we say or you are as good as gone. And as Pilate looked at the people, and as he listened to the crowd, we have read his words, what shall I then do with Jesus, which is called Christ? We're living in a world that still has no time for Christ. We're surrounded by an enemy that is determined to bring the name of Christ down. We are dealing with the arch enemy of God, Satan himself, that is determined to keep you from getting saved. And tonight there's many an individual, just as Pilate was convinced of the purity of the Lord Jesus. He was convinced that he should be released. In fact, he even tried to do that. There are individuals tonight, and you know that you need to be saved, and you intend to be saved, and you hope to be saved someday. But, but, the crowd is so powerful. And maybe you're asking yourself, if I were to get saved, 
How can I go back to work? What, what would they say? If I were to get saved, what about the friends I, I associate with? We have all of the pressure from around us. And the pressure upon Pilate was tremendous. You know, the crowd is so powerful, isn't it? I remember reading of various times where the crowd was wrong. There was an inventor by the name of Fulton that believed in his efforts that a steamboat could be, could be actually made and run by steam. And so he, he did that put together a boat with a steam engine, and they called it Fulton's Folly, and they laughed him to scorn. And yet, in subsequent years, there were steamships that plied the, the seven oceans of this world. There was a man by the name of Goodyear. He and his wife worked for 11 years trying to vulcanize rubber, and people, again, they just laughed at him. <laughs> Give it up. It'll never work. You'll never, never have any success. And yet tonight, Goodyear tires are known around the world. I could go on and on. Because, friend, if you listen to the crowd, you're going to go the wrong way. There is a broad road that leads down to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Wide gate, broad way. And tonight, you're going to either listen to the crowd, or you're going to single yourself out and say, I don't care what the crowd says. I want Christ. And yet Pilate, as he listened to that crowd, he made the greatest colossal blunder of his life. The greatest travesty of justice was carried out, and he condemned Jesus to die. We have read of his final words, I am innocent of the blood of this just person, see ye to it. You know, when I think of that choice, when Pilate got up that day, and it was, I would say, likely five o'clock, six o'clock, six o'clock in the morning, he was faced with a, a very, very unexpected crisis, an unexpected choice. He wasn't aware when he got out of bed that day that he would be making a choice for eternity. It was unexpected. I think as the trial went on, it was an unwanted choice. I don't want to have to make this choice. And so he kind of pushed the Lord one way and pushed him another way, trying to get around Christ, but he couldn't. And as he faced truth and as he faced the reality, it became an unwanted choice. It became a very uncomfortable choice as he realized, I can't get out of this. I have to do something with this man. And I trust that you will understand I have to do something with this man. Because he's the inescapable Christ. Oh, thank God for every soul here that has received him. Realize he had come right to where we were. In all of our needs. There upon that cross he had met our need by dying in our place. And we received him. Wonderful to know him. But, old friend, unless you're willing to face the facts, you'll be faced with a very, very uncomfortable choice. Something that's sobering about this, because when that choice was made, it was unchangeable. And as he washed his hands in that basin, and he says, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. No, Pilate, no, you are not innocent. You have made a choice. You have made a declaration concerning this man. It's unchangeable. That's why, friend, what you do with the Lord Jesus could well determine will you be for eternity. I trust you will, you will face truth. I trust you'll get past the crowd. I trust you might not leave saying, well, I, I would be saved, but, but there's someone else alongside that I just can't get past. I trust that you'll say, my old companions, fare you well. I will not go with you to hell. I mean with Jesus Christ to dwell. I will go. Well, Pilate's choice was made. He went with the crowd. 
fearing the loss of his popularity and his job, he delivered up a Christ to be crucified. A foolish choice, wouldn't you say? But how many similar choices will be made this very day? As individuals like yourself will hear the gospel and tragically decide to place something else ahead of Christ. So remember Pilate's choice, won't you? And make sure you don't make the same mistake that he did. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior today. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.